GalaxyCon Live is the place for you to hear about fandom from the celebrities who bring geek culture to life. Welcome, friends and fans, to another episode of GalaxyCon Live, where we are bringing the convention experience directly to you. And today, we are looking for whatever truth is left out there with all three of the lone gunmen. So without further ado, let's bring them in. Our first guest is an actor whose credits include MacGyver, The Outer Limits, and has recently been seen in Batwoman. Today, he joins us to discuss the role of the most conservatively dressed of the lone gunman, John Fitzgerald Byers. Please welcome Bruce Harwood. Hooray. Hello. Hello. Hello to you, sir. How are you doing? Pause, so I'll do it for myself. Yay. They're, they're doing it. They're doing it in yes, there. Trust yeah. me on that. So how are you doing, sir, in your part of the world? Oh, not bad. Thanks. How about you? Uh, I'm in I'm in Orlando and uh, we're fine. Oh, it's just uh, this time of year, everything's autumn. And instead, it's 90 degrees with the heat and, and humidity index of 100. So, oh, well, yeah, we yes. got a rain warning out up here in Vancouver. So, yes, it, it did. <laughs> crazy times. <laughs> and speaking of crazy, our next actor is a next guest is an actor and comedian whose credits include Robocop Alpha, Commando, Bones, and is the co host of Chill Peck Hollywood Hour. Today, he joins us to discuss the role of the digital that was once Richard Ringo Langley. Please welcome Dean Hagland. Aren't you close? Is this too close? <laughs> no, it's perfect. You're perfect. Hey, how you doing there, sir? Fantastic. Cool. It's cool. I got to ask you, what is that illustration you got in the corner there? Oh, this is my art studio. This is all my artwork. Uh, uh, that's my watercolor table. I have uh, oils over there. Uh, so not only do I do acting, but that's a lot of my work I'm working on back there. So I built that drafting table myself, actually. It's a, it, it can fold back to the wall or swing out to any degree. If I'm doing uh, really wet watercolors or more dry, dry brush technique, it comes out a little flatter. Is, uh, is there a way we could, uh, is there a website or Instagram where we can look at your yeah, artwork? Instagram, Dean Haglin uh, has a lot of my artwork on there. I have, uh, of course, moved from Australia to Michigan, Detroit, Detroit, Michigan, I think is how it's pronounced. And uh, uh, so it's been a bit of a gap between the work I've been doing and getting all of this set up again to start working again. So, so uh, yeah, go to Dean Haglin, Dean Haglin uh, on Instagram. You'll see all my artwork there. Absolutely. Cool. And our final guest, he is an actor and director whose body of work includes Amazon Falls, 21 Jump Street, and Da Vinci's Inquest. Today, he joins us to discuss the role of hacker and tango dance competitor, Melvin Frohickey. Please welcome Tom Braidwood. Yay! Greetings, all. Hey. Greetings. Oh, hey! What is going on? We didn't talk about props. And <laughs> <laughs> you, Braidwood. Actually, I, I have one of Dean's paintings. It is in a proud position at our cabin. What? Outside of 70 Mile House. What? Oh, what? Way up in that? the woods where you don't have to look. The one with the alien in the restaurant. The alien in the restaurant. What? Hmm. Oh, the Norman Rockwell mockery? Yeah. The Norman Rockwell. Yeah. It's right above our dining table. Please <laughs> <laughs> for that one. So, uh, which which of which of Rockwell's work is it? Is it satirizing? Uh, it's satirizing. I believe it's the uh, the mother and son. They're praying. Yeah, and everybody's okay. looking at them. But instead of yeah. praying, they're eating like some sort of bloody uh, mutated mesh. And everybody's like, hmm, that's weird. The aliens are eating something bloody at the restaurant. But nobody's like giving them a hard time. So it's like aliens trying to fit in amongst the uh, 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 a lovely Americana scene. Very nice. Very nice. So, Well, Tom, how are you doing in your corner of the world? I'm good. I'm good. I'm retired. I'm happy. We live in uh, 
uh, not a real small town, but the capital of BC, I guess, Victoria. And it's a lovely town. Lots of lots of ocean, lots of beaches, lots of parks. Uh, you pick up your surfing bikes. habit? Did you go surfing then? <laughs> too many bicycles. That's all I can say. <laughs> There were things. So, gentlemen, thank you, and welcome to the GalaxyCon virtual stage. Uh, uh, we always we're so glad to have you here. We look back to when the world maybe gets a little bit back to normal, and we can host you on our physical stages and get you back in front of your fans. But in the meantime, we are have this forum, and we're so glad to have you here. Our team right now is pulling the questions out of the chat room, and when I get the high sign, we will switch over to them. In the meantime, what I would love to hear from you each individually is. Um, a common question you're often asked uh, at conventions is, did you always know it was going to be a success when it started, whatever. But I would like to, I would like to ask you guys, when did you begin to realize that your characters specifically were starting to generate a little heat and, and interest? When well, I got back, you know, back to that big potato, wasn't that the one? Do you remember that? Yeah. Well, it was more the, it was more the producers and us. When we get the first episode, uh, they were uh, chat rooms were in their infancy and um, they got all when we appeared, they got all this feedback about us. And uh, as far as the three of us were concerned, it was a one off. And then the next season, suddenly, like, what, three or four shows, I think we did. Yeah. They yeah. brought us back and three shows in, uh, the, in the, the second season. I think. Yeah. Yeah. But do you remember that director? I forgot his name. Uh, uh, geez. And he had the uh, the magazine article from uh uh, you know, the famous sci-fi magazine, um, Fantastique. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Fantastique. Yeah, yeah. And there was a Cinema review of yeah. that said, oh, we stole the show. And he was like, oh, my God, look at this, you guys. And we were all sitting around a picnic table about to do, like, the second or third. It was Blood. It was the episode Blood. Yeah. yeah. And we were handed that article, and we all read it going, what? Like, I think that's the first time I ever read a review of anything I ever did on television. Yeah. Like, oh, Oh my God! People are watching this thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I remember about blood is trying to remember my lines because they were driving oh, yeah. me crazy. Because oh, yeah. lysergic dimethyron. Oh yes. Oh, you have to say that over yeah. and over again. Yeah. Oh gracious! So when did uh, when did you all get the uh, uh, the the rumblings that your own spinoff uh, was a was, was an actual possibility after it had been announced? <laughs> oh really? <Yeah. laughs> Oh my God. I wrote a comic book called Why the Lone Gunman Was Cancelled. You can get it at chillpackhollywood.com in digital form, but basically it lays out how we heard about it at a press uh, dinner, right? A guy yeah. from Vancouver took me aside. I took you guys aside. And then and then we got, I got all sort of paranoid going, oh, well, you know why they haven't told us? They're going to recast us. They're going to recast all the Lone Gunmen uh, with like Luke Perry and, you know, <laughs> gang stars. And that's why they haven't told us there's a series coming because it's all these different actors coming in. And then from there, the comic book continues of our personal journey through the whole rigmarole. <laughs> oh, um, in your opinions, oh. uh, in your opinions, are they really dead? Tom. Uh, <laughs> good question. I don't think so, but I think we found a back door somehow. I think, <laughs> yeah. I think, I think Bruce figured something out for it. Yeah, and, but, and, a, and an antidote, which I just had on me at the time. <laughs> oh, wait, you take this. We're fine. Let's get out of here. Because in, 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 the, in the SL's comic, the, the characters that were shown to have escaped, and, and Carter had basically approved everything in that, and then when the series came back to this. So it's yeah. like, a lot, like a lot of mythology of the show, 
it's it's only it's only as as canonical as its last episode. The scary thing is to think about where we'd be now if we were alive. What would we be doing in yeah. 2020? Right? Yeah, yeah. Kidnapping the Michigan governor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? QAnon. That's basically it. So, uh, well, uh, well, really, I mean. Uh, if you that's, had your way, that's way off the wall that way. <laughs> if, if you got, if you guys had your druthers, uh, uh, what would you say the characters would would be doing right now with with the world thinking that they're dead? Yeah, you know that's an it. Well, it, it was always not just the search for the truth, but there was sort of this patriotism running yeah. through the characters, right? And Very so, much so, yeah, and so you go. Well, now there's all these layers. I mean, we live not just in the information blizzard, as I used to call it. It's an information demic, right? An infodemic. It is like a pandemic, only the information's coming at you in so many uh, hazardous forms yeah. that uh, that I would think the lone gunman's fight is to calm the storm more than anything else. Yeah. Right? You would hope, yeah. anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No. In in terms of uh, your patriotic duty. To like, what the hell? Where's this all coming from? Like, calm the sea so that everybody could just get their head uh, it together. Yeah, uh, and you know, and talking from the state of Michigan, this is you know kind of more apropos than the joys of Vancouver Island. <laughs> 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 well, you, it's that the race. You know what, I like, what I like about Vancouver Island is like our premier announces an election, and it happens a month later, not yeah, four right. years later, yeah. like not a four, month later. I know it's been, it's been four years of campaigning here. My mail slot every day. It's like insane. It's totally insane. Absolutely. Well, gentlemen, I got the uh, word that uh, we're good for audience questions. So I'll ask Christina, our producer, to roll our first one. And this comes from Heather, who wants to know which of you would say is the sexiest? Tom. Tom. He was voted sexiest sci-fi actor from a British magazine. 19, what, 98, was it? Something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You were voted from a British sci-fi magazine, sexiest sci-fi star. And, and, they, a fashion, and, and a fashion star, too, as I recall. How soon we fall. Best dress. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to say I gonna say there's two out there. <laughs> uh, Heather, thank you. That was a great one to start us off with. What do we have next? And this comes from Elaine, who wants to know, how would you guys describe your life before and after the X-Files? Well, I was already performing. I was doing stand-up and improv at Vancouver Theatre Sports. Uh, I was always uh, producing stuff. And uh, X-Files just became a great calling card that allowed me to get headlining status clubs through all pretty much U.S. and Europe and Australia. So because of that, you could get into, uh, you know, you didn't have to middle or open to prove yourself. You just went, oh, he's got TV credits. Boom, you're on stage. So, so I, I used the X-Files as a jumping point to get into much more stand-up comedy and stage work, for sure. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. For me, before X-Files, I was pretty much working behind the camera in Vancouver and uh, uh, quite enjoying it. Did the X-Files thing, and that happened, which was amazing. It was an incredible journey because I worked on the X-Files itself. Then I worked with these guys, which was such a pleasure. And then afterwards... Um, 
I got to go back and do some directing and on local stuff in Vancouver, which I really enjoyed. And kind of, yeah, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, and you did some really good work on that show. And then I kind of, you know, settled and slowly moved out of the industry, pretty much retired now, do some writing and stuff and watch my daughter who belongs. I'll put a plug in here, belongs yeah. to a group, her group called the Wonderheads, which everybody should look mm-hmm. up and uh, check out because they're, they're terrific uh, two people that do these theater shows with big masks and no dialogue. Really? Uh, but other than that, I'm, puppet heads, aren't they? Well, they're yeah, puppet heads. Yeah, they're, they're really well designed. Puppets. They look fabulous. Yeah, they look yeah. incredible. Yeah. So the Wonderheads, look them up. They're really yeah. worth checking out. <laughs> All right, uh, Bruce. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, I just—I've always been an actor. So the the only weird thing about being on the X Files was this sort of peak it developed to. Where oh, we're on the show and it's money, so I'm happy. And then all of a sudden, oh, you're going to get your own episode in season five. And then all of a sudden, oh, you're going to come down to Los Angeles and shake hands with people who really care who you are. You know, and like, well, uh, okay, sure, why not? And then you know, it just sort of kept snowballing. Yeah. Uh, you know, oh, the the show's moving to Los Angeles. Oh well. Oh no, you're coming with it. Oh really? Okay. <laughs> Suddenly I'm working in Los Angeles. What the heck? So, I know. And yeah. I tell everybody, I moved to Los Angeles. And you would stay in your hotel and read a book. I'm like, hey, yeah. we're going to take you, you know, there's LA Century Hill. City. Come on. Where's the, where are you going to go in Century City? <laughs> there's a mall and that's it. No, no I was going to pick you up and take you to like historic spots in downtown LA and mm. where Chaplin filmed. You were always so busy. Don't, don't tell me. You were always doing stuff. Yeah, well, that's great. Yeah. But, uh, but I offered. Did I? That's true. Yeah. You did. You did offer. <laughs> yeah. And then you said, oh, I'm giving LA. Excellent. Elaine, thank you. That was a great one. Uh, what do we have next? From Q. What were your favorite memories from the X-Files? Hmm. Favorite? Hmm. Favorite. Well, this wasn't a gunman thing. I think we were, I was assistant directing a show where we were shooting a scene down in the dockyards with the big, uh, you know, uh, storage containers. And uh, Jillian was supposed to drive between these uh, two sets of storage containers and we had mounted a camera on the passenger or on the driver's side so we could shoot her, uh, you know, as she was going through these things. And I said, so whatever else you do, just keep to the right. OK. And she kept to the left. And we <laughs> lost we lost like a two hundred fifty thousand dollar camera. In the <laughs> <laughs> Boom. It was a very short take. <laughs> uh, that is, you know, my favorite take. What? Don't go, Bruce. Oh, I was just going to say the thing I remember, it's about Jillian. I think it was one of the last episodes we were shooting and it was you and me on either side of Jillian and she was supposed to pass out like because she got horrible news. Can't remember the news. We're supposed to catch her and then stand her up and we're taking it over and over again. So we would just you and me would just hoist her up to her feet. And she would start giggling like crazy in between takes. And it was like, oh, I'm so serious. Oh, pass out. Pick her up. <laughs> you know, that's oh my God. That was a lot of fun. I don't remember that. What I, episode I was that? I think you were on the opposite side of the table or something. Was that the Vegas thing? I think that was one of the last, like season nine somewhere. We were all standing around one big table at one point. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like a Last Supper thing. Yeah, exactly. I remember, actually, Jillian's last day on set when she gave everybody bathrobes as a gift, as a party gift. You remember this? And we're Mm -hmm. working at the uh, the mental hospital in Coquitlam. That's a common. Oh, yeah. And uh, you, you and me had to go to the C bus terminal at 7 a.m. 
to do a CBC interview in a right. parking lot. Do you remember this? Yes, the day I do. We're going to be shooting all night long. We have to get yeah. up at 7 a.m. to do an interview about the lone gunman with Ralph Ben Murgy of all yeah. things. <laughs> and like, listen, and like, so we do a 7 a.m. live interview for Toronto. Then we go, we go to set. It's an all day thing. Jillian's last shot of ever. She gives everybody a bathrobe. It's really mm-hmm. quiet. And then the sound guy just had ordered a uh, 10 cylinder custom made uh, Viper. Uh, and he handed me the keys. And I took uh, David Duchovny's assistant. And we drove at two in the morning at 300 miles an hour <laughs> all through Coquitlam, tearing around that thing. Uh, no sleep at all. For, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I didn't think I invited you, Bruce. I think you were sleeping in the trailer. But in the middle of the night, I was driving this crazy 10-cylinder Viper at way too high speeds. So uh, who still has the bathrobes? I gave my bathrobe to my sister. I think I've got mine somewhere. I don't remember what happened to mine at all. It's a burgundy thing, right? It's a burgundy bathrobe with a little uh, embroidered quote or something. Do you remember it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yours is in a garage sale, Bruce? What the hell? <laughs> I, really, I don't think I actually got it. I don't think I actually got one. The other, we all got one. The other, the other general memory for the three of us is when we started to work in L.A. and they would fly us down there, they would always shoot us on Friday night. We would be the last thing being shot on Friday night right. so that, you know, everybody else could go home. And so there we are at three o'clock in the morning, hanging on ropes and doing all this crazy stuff. <laughs> it's like, but it was always the same. It was, when are we shooting? No, never mind. We're shooting Friday, right? I, yeah, I yeah, remember yeah. hanging Friday. on the ropes because I remember the um, it got into my uh, groin area in a really, really bad way. And yeah. then in the end, they had to sit me on a, a stepladder to, you know, oh, to, to keep my voice at the right level. <laughs> I remember us. I still have a photo of me repelling, and yeah. then you being. And I'm sitting up. on a on a step ladder going. <laughs> <laughs> have you gone mountain climbing since then, Bruce? I haven't had. Not repelling, that's for sure. <laughs> I'll free climb if it comes to that. Oh my God. Uh, uh, Q, thank you. That was a thank fun you, one. Uh, what do we have next? This was for Krista. Is there something different you wish the writers had done with your characters? Different. Well, the writers were brilliant. I mean, gee whiz. You 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 go, it, no, because like, hey, Vince, Chris, Frank, John, most brilliant writers of television. I have an idea. What if I did this? <laughs> I, I wish they put buyers in turtlenecks occasionally. That's, <laughs> That's a wardrobe thing. Yeah. That is strictly a wardrobe true. thing. Yeah. No, I, I mean, mean we we can't complain. They got us our own show. So yeah. what can we say? And you look at the work they did. I mean, gee whiz, Vince Gilligan doing Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. How you know? And that talent was already coming through because he was writing Lone Gunman episodes. Yeah. He was, he put more words in my mouth than and <laughs> than my ex wife really. So you know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, fair krista thank you that was a good one what do we have that's from alex uh do you think the lone gunman spin-off would have worked if it was made several years later Mm. or i'll I'll say earlier or later you guys can could pick the uh the time slot i think it might have worked better if it if if it ended up being 
a Netflix show, actually. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, binge. I think yeah. it would have actually been better. I think it was ahead of its time because we were talking about, you know, super intelligent monkeys and cars that ran on water before, <laughs> you know, that was really a thing that was going through society, right? So also yeah. having having nerds as the leads of a show. Right. Was brand new, wasn't it? It really yeah. was. Yeah. 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 Marketing-wise, like, it's like, oh no, they gotta be sexy, they gotta be this, they gotta be that. Yeah. Whereas now it's like, oh my gosh, it, interesting. What's the relationship? What are they talking yeah. about? That's and as long of- as there's a gorgeous woman standing next to us, who cares what we look like? Right? <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, in five years, five years, seven years. If that, if Gunman came out, uh, what were we? Two thousand, two thousand one. Two thousand yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So if it was like six, seven, I think it would it would have had enough traction to get past thirteen episodes for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very that way. So, Alex, thank you. It was a fun one. And from Desiree. Have you ever seen a UFO and or met an alien? Okay, so I did a documentary called The Truth Is Out There, where I had a camera crew follow me around the world, 2009. And we went to Yakuma, Washington, which is renowned for UFO sightings. There's even a campsite that you can sign on to that they guarantee 98% you will see a UFO. Because in Yakuma, there is some sort of top secret military installation of in, of a satellite array that's in a valley that it's worse than Area 51. You, you, you can sort of see one little thing from the road, but there's all these signs and barbed wire. Nobody's ever got into the Yakuma military installation. And from there, there's all these sightings of like stuff. So the camera crew says, we got to go to Yakuma. And we go into this hotel and they put the cameras out the hotel window looking up in the sky. And I went to bed because I said, yeah. you know what? If I'm going to see a UFO, I'm not telling anyone. Because then it's like, ah, oh, that poor guy from the X-Files, he's he's missing the show. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so they just filmed all night and I went to bed. That was that, was that see, part. Did they pick up anything at all? You know what? I I didn't ask. I don't think they even reviewed the footage because I wasn't going to be part of it no matter what yeah. they saw. So, you so think, I don't think you they did because also they're in downtown Yakuma. It's like yeah. a bunch of buildings. They didn't go out to the facility. They didn't go to the oh. campsite that saw 98% of the UFO activity. Well, you think so. the campsite would hire some guy to <laughs> run around with uh, with sparklers or something just to make sure somebody sees Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> sparklers. Oh my god, I'm a UFO. Stay far enough away, nobody knows. Me, I never had the experience, so. <laughs> uh, Desiree, thank you. It's not quite the close encounter. From Matthew. Yeah. Oh, what's the craziest conspiracy theory that has come true come in true. your opinion? Wow. Mm. That's come true. There's a Manchurian candidate that the Russians want to put in and make president. Maybe that's it. That's a good one. I know, right? Uh, I'm trying to think what other crazy conspiracy theories come true. Because, I mean, the things and the CIA operation that failed, that was conspiracy theory for the longest time. And then they said, oh, yeah, we did that. So, so, yeah. What? Hmm. 
Now I'm going through my Rolodex. You guys uh, come up. There's too many to choose from, isn't there? There's too many conspiracy theories to choose from to begin with. Yeah. And how do you you equate it to to coming true? Yeah. And this is. Tell you what, let me me, me adjust it then. What's the craziest conspiracy theory that you think might actually have a shred of proof into into that, even though there's there's no way of any evidence of it? Wow. Remember Minneapolis, that one, Bruce? I don't think you were there, Tom. Oh, there was yeah, this is- yeah we did it. We did an X Files convention in Minneapolis, right? And, yeah, and it was me, Frank Spotnitz. You were there, Bruce. There were some other people, and a woman in yeah, her. She had a she had a, a folder of pictures, and she slapped yeah, them down the table in front of us drawing. and said, "This is my husband." After he was in, from the FBI, after he was shot, then she flipped the page and pointed to another guy and said, "This is the man they said was my husband after he got out of the hospital, but he's not my husband." And I said. Oh, here's my signature. Thank you very much. Yeah. Right. Enjoy the rest of the show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, the, so the two photos were two different men, and the idea yeah. was that well, everybody had a different idea, right? So Frank thought, oh, you know, this epic wanted out of the marriage, so he just substituted a homeless guy in the hospital and buggered <laughs> off to an island in the south. Oh, wow, yeah. that's awfully elaborate, doesn't it? <laughs> I know, I know, but it, you know, you must be scared of your wife. That's all I can. Do. <laughs> she went to the police. She it, all his fingerprints, all his dental work said that this guy was her husband. Wow! And, and my uh, ex-wife at the time was going through nursing school, and there is a condition where you believe uh, your closest partner is an alien or not who they say or is a replacement. Yeah. It's yeah, a, you just I forget the name of the disease. Tony Rosato, the comedian from Toronto, suffered it for 30 years. He was in prison. He thought his wife and his kid were alien replacements of his actual wife and kid. And so so it's a thing. It's an actual medical thing. So she may have been suffering that, or it may be that actually the FBI has a program where they can swap out a homeless fellow for an FBI agent (laughs) who needs to go. Guys, maybe he's in witness protection and they can't tell his wife. That's what. Right. There's that. Like there's all sorts of uh, theories, but we sat I, and I, I talked about this at other conventions, actually. And I still think about that poor woman to this yeah. day. Well, I remember you go, oh, well, what recourse do you have? OK, yeah. this this guy here is not my husband. Oh, let's check his records. Oh, yeah, no, that's that's the guy you married. You've been married to him for 40 years. And in her head, it doesn't look exactly. And in the photos she had, it didn't look at all similar. Like the guy. She's got her arm around in the 1980s photo. I remember pictures of two guys on gurneys, like she was there at the at the ambulance. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's got like tubes in his mouth, but he's an yeah. 85 year old, like uh, 50 pound guy, and yeah. she's married to a six foot six, 200 pound bruiser. And uh, wow, okay, so that's not the same guy. Yeah. And she goes, and then we said, well, why are you telling us? And she goes, where else can I go? And you're like, oh, like put the weight on us. Holy mm. like, it was, it I, was horrifying. I, I, I'm kind of surprised you guys just don't have dozens of stories like that. Or maybe you do. You just don't want to share it with us. Well, that's, that's the most dramatic, I think. I think right. that yeah. one was like the one that we all stopped in our tracks. And, it was and everybody crazy. had a different idea. You thought, Bruce, that she was just crazy. I thought there was some maybe probability to it. Yeah. Uh, Frank thought for sure the FBI was just trying to get out of a marriage. You know, huh? wherever, yeah. we were, wherever we were in our personal lives at the time. Uh, 
but it was early enough in in the success of the X Files that it really caught us off guard. It yeah. was like war- it was like after that, people could bring crazy stuff to us, and we'd be prepared in a way. Sure, yeah. we wouldn't be shocked. So, so that that was yeah, that was your first yeah yeah hard yeah. hard hard fan inter- interaction. They've, yeah. they've taken yeah. taken yeah. you for, in your roles to another letter level of synonymous energy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Because also, you know, I had people come up when we did the uh, uh, breaking into the television and stuff. I had like three actor friends going, hey, I saw you in the X-Files. Can you come over and fix my TV? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Wait, are you in the business? Picture TV? What are you talking about? Oh, wow. So, you know, it affects even people in the business, so. Definitely. Matthew, thank you for that question. A, and a reminder to our audience, if you would like to chat with our panelists like I am now or purchase an autograph, please sign up at galaxycon.com and I'll ask Christina to roll us another one. And it's from Lincoln. What was it like doing the audiobooks? X-File Cole's Cases. That was fun. I enjoyed that. Yeah, that was great. That was, yeah. And we we did it very quickly. I think it was four hours or something like that, Tom. Yeah, it was really fast. Yeah. Yeah. I was two days. What the hell do you mean four hours? Well, we did what? everything in one in one go. We were all together in one studio. They had to get a hold of you and where were you anyway? I was in Sydney, that? Australia. You guys were all in one studio? Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh. Yeah. yeah, we were. Yeah, they sent the director to Vancouver to work with us. So Oh. Yeah. I, I was in Sydney. I had the guy on the phone. I had another actor who was in uh, 29 Steps or 39 Steps on the West End show. He was like a voiceover guy in Sydney. So he... He was on the phone. I I could hear the director in my headset, yeah. but then the uh, the actor guy was there in the room with me, sort of like jamming on stuff. And then uh, and then it took two days. I remember having to come back because there was a whole thing where Langley gets high as a kite, and he's at oh, yeah. rock concert or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And it was just you uh, to get more work out of this than the other two. Of us, you know? I don't know how you do that. Yeah, yeah. So I managed to drag it out by screwing yeah. up many takes. And oh, no, uh, like, oh hmm, I can get a second day out of this. Uh. <laughs> did either did you, either of you two guys ever heard these tapes? Heard I, books? A large, a lot of them, and then and then the link I was sent suddenly became inactive, so I didn't get to hear the whole thing. Right, it sounded pretty good. It did sound pretty good. There was, uh, to my mind, I could hear the difference between Sydney, Vancouver, and Los Angeles, though. So the mixing had a little funny issue, but I think that's also because I was super sensitive to what I was hearing in my cans and what. Well, these guys, yeah. I think, was it for Audible that they they worked? They uh, I think so. Yeah, yeah. They 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 usually they they told me usually when they record they get everybody in one location. Yeah. They do it all at once, and they often went to live locations rather than studios to get it recorded. Yeah. So it gives a it gives a vitality to the to the audio that we didn't necessarily have access to with all this mixing things together that we were doing from different sure. locations and stuff. In fact, I yeah. think the director said he had 22 different studios to deal with because yeah, we all solo over spread around the world. Yeah. Right. He was yeah. doing it with people in New York and London. And yeah. Vancouver. Yeah. Jillian in London. And then Jillian was shooting something. And so she was also in South Africa. So they had to split it up between the London studio and the South African studio or something. Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. You when you moved to Australia, boy, you, you were like always the last one they could track down, weren't you? <laughs> I really was, and that was hilarious because then we went to I went to that convention in Hartford, Connecticut, and Bruce said to me, "Oh, you know they're looking for you." I go, "You know they can just email me for crying out loud." No casting is looking for you, so I call them. 
And they go, oh, my God, where are you? I go, I'm Sydney, Australia. Oh, okay, we want you to come and do an episode, uh, season 10, right? Okay, well, uh, my knee, I had knee surgery, so I can't oh, fly yeah. coach. Okay, great. And then they said, okay, um, so here's the thing. Originally, they're going to fly me 14 hours, pick me up at the airport, drive me to set, shoot all night, drive me back to the airport, and then fly me back home. No hotel. <laughs> like literally come off, just do the uh, the episode, and then get back on a plane and do another 14 hours and go to bed back in Sydney. <laughs> You're like, what? That's ridiculous. And then and then stuff got moved. So originally it was a Friday shoot, and then it was a Tuesday yeah. shoot. So they brought me in the weekend. Oh, so even even it seems intent, it was still you were still the Friday guys. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> never, it was, never it was instinctive, you know. It was Friday. always the Friday guys. Like I think now, how many times I saw the sunrise on Saturday doing the gun. Yeah. It's like more than a handful for sure. But then uh uh then season eleven, uh I well, only I did that one, right? Because I was yeah. in the virtual uh, our, our photos showed up, but that me and Tom, but that was all yeah, yeah, yeah. And the great and that one was good. <laughs> Again, they fly me from Sydney, Australia, They and it's a Monday shoot. So they fly me Friday. I'm in the hotel. I see family and friends that are still in Vancouver. And then my pickup time is 5.15 a.m. I'm on set at 6, hair and makeup by 6.30. I am in a single uh, plexiglass where I see my own reflection, and the lens is here, and I'm lit in a circle in a room by myself. Director, everybody else is in another room. I do all the scenes into a plexiglass where I see myself. It's like acting in a mirror, weird as hell. And then after 40 minutes, by uh, 7.10, they go, great, Dean's wrapped. And no other actor, David and Jillian aren't coming till late 30. Uh, all the other actors not coming till 9. So... 7.30, i like, thank you very much. They take off my wardrobe, my wig, and then they go, great. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I go back to the hotel, I go to bed. <laughs> like, that's season 11. That was how fast that went. And then I'm going uh, through the episode. So it's like, uh, wow, I know. That's showbiz. That's showbiz, man. Yeah. Uh, Lincoln, sure. thank you. That was like, that was Oh, go ahead. No, Tom, go ahead. No, no, it's just like when we heard, they, as Bruce said earlier, we were the last to hear that yeah, that yeah. they were going to do a series called The Lone Gunman. And the three of us thought, well, did anybody bother to check if we were all alive? I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> it's crazy. <Yeah>. Anyway. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Christina, what's next? Uh, from Amy, did you ever pull any pranks on the set or did anyone prank you? Well, I was always hesitant because we were, you know, on a very expensive show and to pull a prank, yeah. it would slow everything down. You don't want to pull a prank at hour 14 on a long day. Yeah, know? everybody's like exhausted. Yeah. You're like, laugh. ah, jello yeah. in your pants. And you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Not funny at that point. So... I never did. Tom, but you must have, because you were always there, you must have had more pranks or seen more pranks. No, there weren't. Actually, there weren't a lot of pranks on, on X-Files. A lot of, no, not that, you know, I don't, none of them stand out. I remember some stuff happened, like, to us, like, in our series was, like, the baby, when we were doing the baby thing, oh. and it was peeing on us, and 
hit us in the face and stuff. <laughs> you know, I thought that was intentional. They turned that up. We're supposed to hold a baby and, and re-diaper it, and then it pees in our face, and they had the pressure way up. So they like, <laughs> like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> like, we just had a urinary tract infection. Or something. Oh, actually, <laughs> uh, on that one, uh, Stephen played a nasty trick on me. I was supposed to carry a concrete cinder block into, into the room at one point, and I was supposed to go through a closed door. And he kept, he could see me on the monitor and I, it was a, he, um, it's a heavy thing. So I put it down. So he would go, uh, rolling and I would pick it up and then he'd go, hold the roll. And I'd put it down again and he'd go rolling, oh, hold the roll. So I was kept picking this darn and putting up, I had no idea what was going on. Cause I was the only person on the other side of this door. Ah. He, he didn't tell me until we did the commentary track for the DVD. And he'd been doing that to me. <laughs> Wow! Yeah, wow! I just thought, I just thought the crew that, was incredibly unprofessional. That's all. I think. Yeah. <laughs> That's a pretty good gag, I gotta it, say. It was very good. That was really good and really subtle too. Yeah, yeah, and, oh, yeah. and and kind of humble in a way, not to tell me what he was doing to me. <laughs> I until know. Years later. <laughs> Gracious, Amy. Thank you. That was a fun one. What we have next? Famous one from Kevin. Uh, what is your favorite Lone Gunman episode of the X Files? Which I assume you assume not your own series, right? Uh, uh, the, the unusual suspects, the first one, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah was, I mean, yeah, that's where we all got. Yeah, it was really exciting to do that, and we got David Duchovny's trailer. All three of us were hanging out in the trailer playing video games, so that was really cool. Though I like the Vegas episode, three of a kind, but uh, yeah. That was hard for you, Bruce, because you had all these extra scenes. Well, you, guys were, you guys were staying out, getting drunk, and having massages, and I had to go yeah. to the desert at 6 <laughs> I'm like, I'm I think, in the I desert. Think I think I, you nailed it, Bruce. I think yeah, you really nailed me? it. Why me? Why <laughs> me? Yeah. But it was also cold. I was like, oh, I'm going to be hot here in the desert, and this yeah. wind's cutting through me, and everybody's wearing warm-up coats, and I'm like, what? And I get back, and you guys are like, oh, we went and had massages after, you know, body shots at a bar on the strip. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm afraid that's so true. The, the publicist took us to yeah. the most raunchiest bars on a Fox credit card. And Tommy was oh. dancing with two girls on the stairs. I no, remember, no, no. Yeah, yeah. I remember it. Well, I don't remember it, actually. There's a big part I don't remember. I had to call Tom going, what the hell happened? And I remember uh, dancing on the table in Philadelphia. But... No, that was Milwaukee. You was remember it Milwaukee? The... Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. In um, uh, the uh, the secret spy bar. Do you remember that I bar? Been, I oh, the, the safe house. Yeah, yeah. The yeah, yeah. House. I've been there. That place is, yeah, place is fun. Yeah. That was it. The honorary members. Yeah. Tom and I are honorary members, and we came in not through the main door, but through the fake deli. On the on the street, not on the alley, that's but right. fake deli that they slide, and the meat door opens, and you take an elevator, and you come in at the top, and you come down. That's and so, a VIP. So I, you got the, the VIP the, fake deli entrance. I I, I I had to take off my pants to get in to uh, through the yeah. <laughs> Oh, did you not say the right code word? Is that what happened? I did not have a code word, but they made a deal. I said, well, this this group is, is a bachelor party going on, and they need a set of men's underwear. So I was like, okay. So I ducked in the alley, and I came out. Will that do? And they're like, yeah, okay, go in. <laughs> oh, my God. And I, I'm going to give you 50-50 that there wasn't a bachelor party. <laughs> No, no, it was it was a full bachelorette party oh, because what? yeah, it was right in front of us in our group. We were there for Gen Con. Yeah, it was yeah. This, oh yeah, this, yeah. This, the safe house is fun. And Kevin, thank you for thank yeah. you for that one. 
<laughs> and from Maya, what do you think was the most interesting thing you brought to your characters that character that wasn't obvious from the script? Okay. Hmm. Well, I've heard it before. Go ahead. No, you go first. Uh, people had told me that up until that time, computer nerds were pocket protectors, glasses, greasy hair. And then I show up with Ramon's T-shirts, which is how I knew in university all the guys that were in computer science. Uh, you know, my best friend was doing uh, music EQ computer programs for Skid Row, of all things. So he was like a sound designer, but in computer gra- like computer software design, but into punk bands and stuff like that. So, so for my uh, uh, aesthetic, I was always thinking these guys, as opposed to every other computer nerd that you saw up till then, which were always stiff-shouldered, you know, white shirt, buttoned yeah. up, all that sort of thing. Which, like, I don't think I ever saw in all of the university computer science uh, divisions anybody dressed like that. So, you know, so that was the breakaway for me. I agree. I think, I think for me that that um, when we first worked together, because we didn't know each other, we we kind of fell into this natural repartee and the characters kind of, how can I put it? They kind of developed in a, in their own way because of the other two guys. Right. And, uh, mm. and, and then, you know, we became this unit and we had our, our own idiosyncrasies and weirdness and stuff, but it came from a natural contact. Like I say, with the other two guys, it was pretty fascinating because it happened it, like happened right away. It just it happened right happened. away. Yeah, because we, yeah, the first episode, EBE, I met Bruce like ten minutes earlier in the trailer, and yeah. then he said, "Oh, who's the other guy?" It's like the first AD. Like, well, okay. And then we met you on set, right? And then, like, and then the scene just gelled already, right? Like, then from then on. So, yeah, I, I want to say though that the editor, the people who edited that scene, they really tightened it up and made it made it. Yeah, for sure. Better, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Was that Heather? Heather was that first so. year. Yeah. She was yeah. really good. Yeah. So huh? yeah, she really cut that thing together to make it look so so tight. Yeah. <laughs> nice, nice. Maya, thank you. I think we have time for one more question. So I'll ask Christina to pull a good one for us. <laughs> no, pull hey. a crappy one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, from Alicia. Uh oh. what memorabilia uh do you have from from the show? Ask Tom yeah. this question. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you have a room of this stuff? <laughs> I have well, this is a combination of X Files and the Gunman, but I have, I don't know, I've got three huge tubs of coats and sweaters and photos and bric-a-brac from from nine years, right? Ladies and gentlemen, I have been pushing Tom to do a book of his personal photos and some forty thousand he has of the behind the scenes of the X Files. I said, I will lay this out. I will get the publisher. I will distribute this fucking thing. And you sit there. Whatever. Whatever. Let go. He's getting mad at me again. Look out. Talk to the hand. Talk to the hand. <laughs> uh, uh, how, about the, how about the other two? Do you guys have a memorabilia yeah. or, or things from the set you happen to acquire? I actually have a, a, a couple of buckets of stuff. That's probably where that purple uh, dressing gown is gone. Uh, I've got a yeah. couple of buckets of stuff in storage and I, I just sort of like, I kept them going like someday these are going to be really valuable. And I don't know if they are valuable now, but I'm keeping them anyway. So well, cards and all those trading cards and games and yeah. stuff that they put out. Yeah. The trading cards. I'm now, 
like I, you know, the X-Files fan club trading cards, I'm not sure if they will ever be a thing again. So no, probably not. Yeah. And uh, I'm still getting fan mail. Like somebody will send me like this picture, yeah. right? Like yeah. that. But this has been doctored because I have a five o'clock shadow. Yeah. And right. I, and I never had a five o'clock shadow on the show. I always shaved before I did an episode, but now they're like yeah. making me look rougher. But uh, I have a bunch of things. But my favorite thing is my chair back. So we all got our own director's chair yeah. and yeah. Uh, it had our name on it. And the final episode in season nine, we all got to take that and had everybody sign it. And David signs mine. And he hands it back to me. He goes, hey, did you read what I wrote on your on your chair back? I go, no. He goes, oh, you should read it. I, I really mean it. I'm like, okay. And it says, dear Dean, I'm sorry we didn't have a sex scene together. <laughs> wow. Well, better frame than that. That's an excellent. And deadpan humor. He doesn't smile or anything. He goes, mm. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Alicia, thank you. That was a great question. And Galaxy County viewers, this has been my time with the Lone Gunman. Gentlemen, any final words before we go? Um, Listen to my podcast every free for the last 14 years. Chillpackhollywood.com. Spelled C-H-I-L-L-P-A-K, Hollywood.com. It's a review of Hollywood chatter, celebrity deaths, and school closures. So... I want to say thanks to everybody for keeping the show alive still. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty cool. Absolutely. It's really cool. It's amazing. The gift that keeps yeah, on... The and if, yeah. if there's anything I can say is that I really miss working with these guys. Aww. Aww. Yeah. It can happen. <clears throat> Why don't we do a book together, Tom? Yeah. <laughs> 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 Gentlemen, it's been my absolute pleasure to serve you today. Thank you for joining us here at the CalixCon virtual stage. Thank you to our audience for tuning in and joining us. And thank you for all those great questions. Thank you, everyone. Bye-bye. Take care. And please keep washing those hands.